This is episode number 89 and the deep focus episode on your brain. Welcome to the Success 101 Podcast. This is your host, Jared Warren, where each episode, my goal is to bring you a new concept or idea to help you maximize your full potential. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's kick things off. Welcome back to the Success 101 Podcast. So excited to be here with you this morning to kick off our deep focus episode on the brain. And as you guys know, if you're a regular listener, if you tuned in any time lately, this is a huge summation to all of the brain focus and brain episodes that I've been doing lately, and I am ready to kick things off for you, so let's go ahead and dive in this morning. And I wanted to break this down into three or four different parts about the brain so that we can, again, just a summation, we can pull everything together of all of these neurology, focus, productivity, just hacks, these biohacks, as Dave Asprey would say, that we are using every single day in order to get better and reach our peak performance and how all of this centers around the brain. And if there's one thing you take away from this today, I want you to hear this, and you've heard it in a couple of other recordings if you've listened lately, is that your brain, though we think about it being on autopilot many times and know that we should get it off of autopilot, Many of us don't know what to do in order to do that, and it's simply because, I think, we're not thinking about the complex processes that the brain goes through each day. And I don't mean the deep-dive neurological processes that you've got to go to school for 20 years to understand. I mean the simple, just basic ways that we can look at tapping into the three different parts of our brain. We've got our base part down at the bottom by the brain stem. We've got our middle part called the ba- uh, where the basal ganglia is called the middle part of our brain, which is our mammal or our animal part of the brain, which is scanning the environment constantly looking for threats. Then we've got our front part of the brain. This is the part we only tap in 2 to 10%, but this is the part, the human part of our brain, that's going to give us the deepest focus and the deepest thoughts throughout the day. So, you can continue to run through the day just thinking about how you need to do better things, how you need to get on certain tasks, how you're falling behind in certain things, or we can make it a lot easier for ourselves by hacking into this process of the brain and understanding that the middle part of our brain, the one that's going to take us away into deep distraction rather than getting into deep work, is the one that we have to tame. We have to name it to tame it. You'll hear me talk about that as we go through this. But figuring out also how the front part, that relationship between the middle part of our brain and the prefrontal cortex, the part we use 2 to 10% of the time, which is crazy, that's the part that's going to help us feel more satisfied, help us feel more re-engaged with our work, not allow us to leave guilty each day because we know we didn't get things done that we needed to. If there's one thing you take away, I want you to get that system down as we talk through this. So we're going to figure out ways to have more focus, more productivity, more energy today. We're going to cover all of that and some of this, again, if you're a regular listener, you've heard before, but this is going to tie it all back together towards fresh on your brain as we go through this. So let's dive into focus first. You guys have heard me recently say that I started taking Siltep and if you don't know anything about Siltep, you, you owe yourself a huge favor to get on it. It is uh, It has been awesome. You guys know or you may know that I started out taking True Brain. True Brain is just a, uh, a nootropic, 
just like Siltep is. And what is a nootropic? That's just a smart drug. It's not a habit-causing drug. It's not a let's get your heart racing drug. It is a smart drug. It focuses on not so much energy, but focuses on your brain and really wrapping protective layers around your neurocognitive uh, elements such as your uh, different mitochondria that are in your brain, different cells that are dividing within your brain, different second messengers you've heard me talk about before that are sending messages at you know nanosecond rates to different parts of your body. And, uh, and really what these nootropics do is they encapsulate or they insulate your brain neurons and all the different cells in your brain. So people ask, are safe drugs... I mean, I'm sorry, are smart drugs safe? And the answer is yes, not only are they safe, but they be- they're better than sitting there and doing nothing and letting yourself sit in brain fog constantly. So I tried True Brain First, Dr. Andrew Hill. You've heard me talk about his work before. He and a team of neuroscientists from Duke and USC and all over the place, they created this True Brain concept where they've got drinks, they've got pills, and the idea is to mix a bunch of ingredients together that are really healthy and really safe that are going to help you optimize peak performance when it comes to your brain. Uh, it didn't work as well for me. It put me in a little bit of a sedated state because I was so focused during the day, but I noticed it kept me a little edgy, a little bit moody. You know, I don't know. I was a little. I felt like I was a little bit on edge, and I didn't like that. So the second thing that I tried was Siltep, which is also the same you know, basically smart drug, nootropic, but it works in a very different way. And so I'll go into that a little bit later. You can go Google Siltep, C-I-L-T-E-P, go check that out. But the thing I love about Siltep is that it doesn't, you know, it keeps me focused, but it doesn't get me in that just little bit moody, little bit agitated state. And uh, it works even better if you mix it with a, a recetum. So if you know about the Recetum family, there's lots of different related compounds uh, of nootropics that are in there. Recetums are sometimes known as uh, great elements that you can put in a stack together, and that's what Siltep is, is it's a stack. That's what True Brain is. It's a stack. They take all these things together, put them into a stack for your optimum focus. But the one that I have uh, started using with Siltep is uh, phenylpyrrocetum. And if you don't know a lot about phenylpyrrocetum, I've got a bag of it right here in front of me. I get mine from Powder City. So if you go on Powder City, they've got all these compounds that they make up. Again, this is not something that I would be promoting to you guys if I didn't do the research behind it. No, I'm not a doctor. No, I'm not a neurologist. But I learn from those who are. So it, again, the uh, the Recetum family contains tons of different compounds But the ones that you may have heard about before, if you're clued into this, or the ones you will hear about if you go Google this, is pyrocetum. That's probably the most popular one. And the most effective, in my opinion, from everything I have uh, read about is aniracetum and phenylpyrocetum. Okay, so I got both. I got uh, aniracetum first, and again, got me really focused, but put me on a little bit on edge. I didn't like that. Wanted to get off of that. I've got to work with clients constantly during the day. I've got to work with staff. I've got to work with my financial advisors that I'm coaching and training. And I heard that uh, phenylpyrocetum would do a lot better for me as far as just keeping me in that state of 
just knocking things out, but also being uh, <laughs> having a personality, I guess, during the day. So a couple of stats here on uh, phenylpyrrocetum, since you haven't heard me talk about it before. But 400 milligrams of phenylpyrrocetum taken daily for a uh, daily for a year significantly improved brain function and cognition in people recovering from stroke. 200 milligrams of phenylpyrrocetum taken for 30 days improved neuro- neurological function by 7% in people with brain damage, and 12% in people with epilepsy. So big controversy out there about should we be using uh, um, recetums whenever we don't have medical injuries or things like that because that's what they were sometimes designed for. And the answer is yes. More and more research is coming out about how people can use this all throughout the day. And it's going to allow you to become sharper in your focus. It's going to allow your brain to run through its processes each day without this brain fog that you've heard me call it before. And, uh, and you know, you have to pick which one's right for you. If you get uh, a neurocetum, the one that I didn't quite like as much, also I got that one from Powder City, but I didn't quite like it as much. And if you get that one, you may realize that, hey, it actually calmed me down a little bit during the day. If you're a high super high energy already and just go, go, go. You may like a neurocetum. Um, I find that I'm already really serious a lot during the day and, and people sometimes ask if I'm, hey, are you, are you okay? Are you upset? And I'm like, yeah, I'm having a great time. And they're like, oh, you just seem really serious. And I'm like, oh, well, I am. So the last thing I need for my personality is something that's going to further take me into that mental cognition of just being serious so much so the aniracetum didn't work as well for me. Uh, pyrocetum, I didn't try just because I'd heard so much out there about phenylpyrocetum being a little bit of a stronger um, mood booster. It actually doesn't, you know, it's actually not made to boost your mood, but it's actually made to get you stronger into the focus world that you're trying to get into. And by, by that, it boosts your brain energy as well. So I thought, hey, I'll try that first. And it has worked Wonderfully. I mean, these are tiny, tiny, tiny doses that you're taking, guys. I mean, you'll be amazed when if you order this and you see the little tiny spoon. It's uh, it's 100 milligrams of phenylpyrocetum. Is two level. Sorry, I'm trying to read it here. Two level point zero point one five cc scoops. I mean, it's just it's tiny. It's kind of hard to get the powder even in there. It's so small. You drop it down into your drink. It's what I do. You could put it on food. You could put it on whatever. But just check this out, guys. They are very bitter. They are very bitter. I take the aniracetum whenever I was using it a couple of weeks ago, and I take the phenylpyrocetum now, and I can put it into a... uh, You guys have heard me talk about my green morning cocktail that I'll talk about a little bit more here in just a second. I can take that, put it down in my green morning cocktail that is mixed with four different other things, three different superfood blends and a, uh, a mix of spark, and I can taste it. It's got just a little twinge. It, it just it slightly changes the, uh, the flavor, but you would be blown away if you saw what a tiny, tiny little scoop of, uh, I mean, it's almost, you know, it's almost like you, you put it in there and you're wondering, okay, is this going to do anything for me at all? I can taste it in there. So they're very bitter. Most people want to get them in capsules. The phenylpyrocetum that I was ordering wasn't available in capsules, so I just went ahead and got the uh, the powder, and it's fine. So if you think about this too, you've heard me talk a lot about bulletproof, uh, the bulletproof diet a lot lately, and just the reading that I've been doing on that. Again, heard about it years ago, 
didn't have a clue what it was, have gotten so much more into the neuro, neurological studies that I've been reading out there. And Dave Asprey will tell you straight up, I think it's even on his website that I saw at one point, but the phenylpyrocinum, the uh, and neurocetum, both of those are fat-soluble. So if you take them with a meal or a fat source, like your Bulletproof coffee, which of course he's going to mention in there, uh, it's going to help you increase their absorption in your body because they're soluble in the in the fat. So Dr. Andy Hill of True Brains, uh, you know True True Brains, one of True Brains creators, he's got this algorithm you guys heard me mention, which I thought was really cool, which was sleep plus workout plus meditation minus stress minus distraction equals productivity. So again, I'll say that again: sleep plus workout, plus meditation. Those are the three positive, creative, ongoing things that are going to push you through the day as far as your brain. But then we've got to take away what? Minus stress, minus distraction equals productivity. So we can know that. We can hear that. We can try to get into these deep work issues each day. But unless we actually do something in many cases that are going to help our brains get there, i.e. nootropics, i.e. All the other things we talk about as far as eating right and sleeping right and exercising and those sort of things, those are all going to help us every day. But I thought this was a really neat algorithm, the sleep plus workout plus meditation minus stress minus distraction. I think we should just engrave that into our brains every single day. So check out, you know, check out some of these uh, recetums. Check out Siltep. You know, Siltep and the phenylpyrocetum mixed together, those things are synergetic, meaning that they actually work together and Siltep is in a stack, it's in capsules, Pyrocetum's in a powder or in the capsules, but I'm using it in the powder right now. Those things are going to help you as you try to get into that, uh, that productivity algorithm as Dr. Andy Hill talks about. The other thing that's going to help, moving on to point number two, is meditation. Guys, I've turned to 180 on meditation, as many, as many of you have heard me say before, but it is described in the research community as mental floss. And I heard a quote the other day, and I think Hal, Hal Elrod from the Miracle Morning was quoting somebody else, but he said, if you don't have, uh, no, I'm sorry, it was, uh, it was Andy Hill, it was Dr. Andrew Hill that I heard on a podcast. He said, if you don't have 20 minutes per day to meditate, then you need to be meditating for an hour a day. So there's a lot of people that say, hey, I don't have time. I think stopping in the middle of my day, just pushing my chair back and just sitting there and breathing deeply, that probably, you know, Maybe there's not some hocus-pocus to it. I'm sure there would, there would be some things there that would benefit me a lot as far as taking my stress levels down or taking my blood pressure down or whatever it is during the day to keep me just in check from not reacting and task to task to task to task, jumping all through things. But, man, I don't know. I've tried that before. I just don't know if I have time to do it. So if you're that type of person and you say, look, I don't have 20 minutes a day to meditate, then you're the type of person that probably needs to be meditating for about an hour every single day because that's the point. It's going to help you push back. It's going to help you breathe deeply. It's going to help you get into the deep work focus that we need to do for certain periods of time. Then it's going to help you break and relax. And there are so much studies done on this. I can't talk enough about it. But we've got to minimize distractions. And one of the ways that we're going to do that is we're going to push back from our deep work every now and then throughout the day You've heard me talk about these ultradian rhythms before where our brain is set up to run on about 60 or 90 minute cycles and then we push away for about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is that you need, but sit there. Use that time to rejuvenate your brain. We've got to breathe deeply. 
Okay, also talking about minimizing distractions, you guys heard me mention a while back that we need to set a bedtime alarm to start winding down. Not just focusing on what time we need to wake up and set the alarm for then, but we need to start winding down and set a bedtime alarm to do so. So about an hour and a half to two hours before you know it's time to go in there and get in the bed, we've got to have our digital sunset, as Brian Johnson calls it where we turn off the electronics. We're not looking at these blue screens. We're not letting all this junk just fly up in our face. YouTube videos, for me, you've heard me mention before, but that is how we're going to minimize our distractions. We're going to set a nighttime, uh, I'm sorry, a bedtime alarm to start winding down. Then we're going to know what time we need to get up. 98% of your PM affects what happens in your, I'm sorry, 98% of your AM is affected by what you did in your PM. So if you want to have a great morning, we know we have to have a great evening ahead of time. And the only way you're going to do that is not staying up late, sitting on devices with all the screens in your face, all the blue light in your face, keeping your brain from producing melatonin and keeping your systems from just shutting down. We've got to minimize those distractions. We've got to start having a time where we start winding things down. We just changed clocks over the weekend here, so it's going to stay dark a little bit longer. Maybe your digital sunset is a certain time now since it doesn't get dark as quickly. Maybe it's 8 p.m. You set that digital sunset. So we're going to do things like that during the nighttime hours, but then also during the day, you've heard me mention in these recordings that we have to have some things to eliminate distractions. One of those was the focus funnel that Rory Vaden talked about or Stephen Covey's four quadrant system. Anything that you can do to understand what is prioritizing. We've got to prioritize prioritizing as David uh, Rock talks about where we take the priority that we have each day in the focus funnel and we've got to figure out what we can uh, delegate, what we can eliminate, what we can procrastinate, what we can automate, and then eventually what we have to get on in the deep work. Covey's four-quadrant system talks about what is important but not urgent, what is important and urgent, what is neither one of those. You've heard me talk about that. I won't go too far into it, but we've got to figure out things that are going to help us eliminate distractions. You can take the smart drugs all day long. You can take nootropics and study that all day long. You can read Dr. Andy Hill's productivity algorithm. You can meditate. You can do all these things, but unless you're doing them all together, there's going to be some things that either fall through the cracks where you're disorganized or you're not going to get the right amount of sleep at night because you stayed up too late on devices. We have to understand how the brain works and how the brain takes everything that's going into it and is going to respond one way or the other. And unfortunately, most of that is typically negative. None of this is going to help improve our memory either. I've talked before about neuro pathways. We've got to understand and focus on how the brain functions work where you understand that every single action that you do throughout the day, little or big, is taking on a characteristic where it's setting new pathways in your brain. Back to the three parts of the brain. We've got the base part of the brain, which is our automatic part of the brain. That's where salivation, perspiration, things that are just really automatic, breathing, those sort of things come from. We don't have to focus too much on that. The ones that we really have to focus on are the middle part of the brain, where our basal ganglia is, as David Rock talks about. Our basal ganglia, that's where our habit-setting formations happen, both good and bad. But remember, guys, the brain is not our friend. Remember, scumbag brain. It's going to take the path of least resistance. It's not going to do in all cases, or in most cases even, what we want it to do. Our brain wants to rest when we want to get in deep work. 
Our brain wants to get distracted and hop on ESPN for the 10th time this hour when we want to get in deep work. It is not our friend. We have to understand how the processes work if for nothing else than understand that the middle part of our brain, this animal part of our brain that's scanning the environment looking for fight or flight reactions, whether we realize it or not, is not going to work well with the prefrontal cortex, the front part of our brain that we need for deep work efforts. Here's the deal, though. Our brain has not evolved as quickly as workload and the type of work has evolved over time. So we're not out fighting saber-toothed tigers anymore. We're not out running from whatever, you name it, as our distant, you know, way out in the past ancestors did. What are we doing? We're trying to run away from emails. We're trying to run away from deep, uh, not deep work, but deep distractions that are going to pull us away each day. So our brain has not evolved to take on the kind of work that's demanded on us each day, it's still in the fight-or-flight reactionary phase. Well, we're not really dealing with that nowadays, so what does it do? It automatically just takes the path of least resistance and goes straight into emails, goes straight onto the Internet, goes straight onto procrastination. We have to understand that until we engage the prefrontal cortex, the front part of our brain, and allow that to take over, we are only going to be engaged in the things that typically allow us to feel guilty each day because we leave and realize that we didn't get the things done. Good news is, brain is extremely suggestible. It will do what we tell it to do. Okay, It'll take the path of least resistance if we don't tell it what to do anything, but it'll do what we tell it to do in most cases if we tend to it, if we understand how it works and if we observe that. You heard me mention in one of my talks that people can remember the last 20 years of all the stats of their favorite sports teams. They can just rattle them off like they wrote the book on it. But yet it's hard for them to remember people's names. It's hard for them to remember to take out the trash today. It's hard for them to remember to call somebody that they thought about all weekend but didn't write it down that they needed to call. Your brain is going to do, it's extremely suggestible, it will do what you tell it to do, but most of us are not figuring this out to where we understand the brain's processes each day. We've got this performance code, as you heard me talk about Dr. Robert Cooper mentioning, where our bodies haven't adapted to the work that we're trying to do now. We must aim our brain just like a an archer aims for the target. We must aim our brain at the right things each day, but we're not going to get there and we're not going to understand how to do that if we don't understand the different parts of the brain and how it works. Dr. Robert Cooper also talks about live wiring. So you've got up wiring and you've got down wiring. And you've got to view this almost like a you know almost like a GoPro camera. I mentioned it where you're looking at um, you know this uh, this term called mindsight that Dan Siegel talks about. It's just like you're looking at yourself with a GoPro camera, those weren't his, his words, those were mine, but this idea of mind sight, where you're watching yourself constantly during the day, you're pulling yourself back, and you're looking at what you're doing and observing what you're doing, rather than just haphazardly running through the day. And that that's going to allow us to do this live wiring that Dr. Robert Cooper talks about. The up wiring is not easy, but it's necessary. This is where you're doing the mind sight Technique. You've got to view this like a GoPro camera that's watching us all the time. We've got to become a better listener, and we've got to grow the brain in that way as well. When we're sitting in the classroom of silence, we're watching ourselves, we're observing ourselves, we're not just jumping again from task to task to task. Multitasking is not a thing. It's a myth. 
All you're doing is task switching, and all your brain is doing is getting more attention residue stuck on it where whatever you're diving into, you're putting about a fraction of the effort into it that you really feel like you are because you're super busy, but you're not super attentive and super focused. So if we listen more during meetings and we train ourselves to do that, we're growing gray matter by doing that. If we sit in the classroom of silence and we... Uh, observe what it is that we're doing at every step along the way and we have those times of pulling back and we sit for 10 minutes in silence and think about what we just did and how our brain either responded during that past hour of deep work or time blocks that we were trying to get into or our brain simply got distracted over and over. During those times of reflection, you're building more gray and white matter into your brain. That's the upwiring. Then we've got the downwiring. That's where our brain takes the path of least resistance. And we've got this squirrel syndrome where we're just squirrel, squirrel, squirrel everywhere. We become negative. We become pessimistic. We don't accomplish the things that we want to. So we've got to figure out how to get the live wiring idea in place, as Dr. Robert Cooper says. It's not easy, but it's necessary to do the upwiring. That's where we're focused on the prefrontal cortex instead of the downwiring, just letting ourselves slip into whatever distraction comes our way each day day and the scary part is if you want to look at it that way is that after time it's different for some people but some somewhere around 25 to 30 years old your brain really stops growing your brain starts this slow gradual shrink okay and we don't see those effects until we get out older some people experience that again younger but until we get into our maybe 60s or 70s we start uh, realizing we can't remember things as well we start being not as sharp on our feet cognitively but that really started happening back in our 30s neat thing is though is that we can reverse this we can do things that constantly keep our brain growing you heard me mention before, or may have, that I've got three of my really dear friends whose uh, dads are older. They're in their late 60s or 70s, and they're some of the smartest people I know, and they constantly read. They're constantly just sitting around reading in their free time. That's not easy to do. Your brain, again, you're going to want to go do some things like, what, turn on the TV or listen to music. Constantly reading, though, is what all three of those individuals, whenever I talked to them, told me has attributed to their brain strength over all this time. And we've got to be able to uh, we've got to be able to understand how in activities we engage in, new hobbies we engage in, learning a different language, learning things that maybe we didn't even really care that much about. That's what's going to stretch our brains the most and make us uh, make it the most elastic and malleable, where we can stretch it and change it, not just sitting around watching TV. You heard me mention the finger tapping exercise, where they took people into a research lab and taught them this, you know. complex finger tapping exercise and watched what part of their brains lit up on fMRI machines. Sent them out for a month, told them to come back in. They started doing the finger tapping exercise they had learned so well and the part of their brain that was lighting up, the same one from before, had actually grown very slightly. But just think about it. Something as simple as a finger tapping exercise is going to help our brains grow to where then we can take that and use it to our neurocognitive functions during the day and tap into all of these things that I'm saying. So focus is great. Many times we have to have energy though, and that's my second big topic here to go to is energy to think more clearly. So you guys have heard me mention my morning cocktail, which I guess I shouldn't shouldn't still keep calling that because now it's an afternoon cocktail, but it's got my Uh, Amazing Grass is the company green superfood powder that you can get on Amazon, the energy formula that's got green natural caffeine in it from plant-based caffeine. 
Pinnacle of Wellness, Green Superfood, Spark. I actually like the strawberry mango flavor the best in this. And then Kyo, K-Y-O, Greens. Shake all four of those, one, sco- or one scoop each, into a water bottle. And then you've, then you've got it there. So sometimes I'm putting the uh, fennel paracetam in there. Sometimes I'm not. It just depends on what time of the day it is. I'll usually do that twice a day, those, those scoops. So I'm taking uh, 200 milligrams a day. I don't think I mentioned that earlier of uh, fennel paracetam. And I'll mix it in with some sort of a coffee or smoothie in the morning. I'll mix it in with my afternoon green cocktail in the afternoon. But those things are going to give me clean energy. They're going to give me focused energy through the nootropics. And that is going to keep me going throughout the day. If you find yourself just slamming caffeine all the time and that's the best thing for you, number one, ca- uh, coffee is really good for you from an antioxidant. It's probably one of the most antioxidant-rich uh, dietary substances we have in our Western culture because, face it, we're just not eating the right things. But you may be super jittery throughout the day. I've noticed that the uh, phenylpyrazidum gets me a little bit more jittery than I've noticed before, and I didn't didn't really like that at first. But I thought, okay, for the benefits that I'm getting out of this, I think it's I think it's okay. I think it's just helping me stay stay more focused than anything. But if you're having trouble with any sort of jitters, if you're having trouble with your Uh, heart racing, anything like that on coffee, on stimulants, on anything that you're on. Number one, I would say evaluate getting off of that. Coffee, there's a lot of benefits that even if you're getting, you know, some jitters, there's probably still some good reason to stay on it. But take some L-theanine. Take uh, take about 100 milligrams of L-theanine or maybe up to 200 if you, you know, if that's okay for you. L-theanine is going to take that edge off. It's going to keep you grounded. If, if you are the type of person like me that gets a little bit too focused when you have some things like that that, that uh, take the edge off a little bit to where you're not jerky and jittery after you have some uh, caffeine or whatever. I've never really dealt with that like some people do. But the L-theanine, I've got to be real careful because if I take it during the day, it may just get me into, um, again, just, just that little bit of moody and agitated state because it's got me so subdued i guess that's the right word and focused but if you're pounding coffee all through the day number one try not to drink too much number two if you're doing that take some healthy ending with it you're going to notice that you don't really have any jitters whenever that happens you can also do the same thing with green tea green tea has natural l-theanine in it and uh, you can do it at night especially you've seen me take pictures of my melatonin bottle that has 200 milligrams of L-theanine in the melatonin. So the pills are 3 milligrams of melatonin each. The L-theanine is 200 milligrams, so I'll pop a couple of those, 6 milligrams of melatonin, 400 milligrams of L-theanine. It's okay to take that at night when you're sleeping because it's going to help you have good, peaceful, restful sleep. It's going to help you get into those circadian rhythms where your body's up and down. You're getting in, um, you know, you're getting in the REM sleep and the real deep sleep. You're cycling back between both of those, but the most important thing is you're getting restful sleep, which you'll hear me talk about a little bit uh, here in just a second. So speaking of getting up and getting down, we want to get up at the same time every single day. Research would tell you that even more important then figuring out what time you're going to set your alarm for each night to where you can get to bed at a certain time. Even more important is that you get up at the exact same time every single day. You may remember that I mentioned that three or four individuals in my life have told me that before, that if I do anything, I try to get up at the exact same time every single day. That's going to help me in many different ways, especially, guys, when it comes to brain function, right? But it's going to help you stay in these circadian rhythms where your body is used to being up at a certain time, 
it's used to maybe going to bed at a certain time, but that's sometimes harder to regulate, especially if you have kids and activities and you're doing things for business and it's just hard sometimes to get to bed at the exact same time. But what can we control? We can control what time we get up every single day. Uh, back to coffee. I uh, realized I mixed this up in the notes here, but back to coffee. If you're going to drink coffee, follow the bulletproof formula with grass-fed butter and then also brain octane. So in my coffee every morning, I take a uh, tablespoon and a half of grass-fed butter, and you you know you'll read a lot of different things on this out there, but the, as many topics as I've seen, or as many posts as I've seen on it from people who really count in the medical community, grass-fed butter really does make a difference as far as how that fat is processed in there. Brain octane is a caloprylic acid, MCT, 18 times stronger than coconut oil. You can get that right off the Bulletproof website, maybe even Amazon. I haven't, I've ordered it off the Bulletproof website when I've ordered it before, but it is going to uh, help your brain during the day. Why? Because your brain thrives on fat. Your brain takes in 30 to 40 percent of the calories that you eat every single day, and it is based on you know your brain is just a bunch of fat up there in your in your head. So if people call you a fat head or whatever growing up. You got to tell your kids like, hey, honey, that's that's like a really good thing. <laughs> you you are a fat head. No, don't say that. But. Your, your brain is operating on fat, and so the more fat, good, healthy fat, not triglyceride fat, not donut fat, not, um, hey, I just ate a giant kolache with cheese and jelly and whatever else in it, not that, but good, healthy fat. So coconut oil, grass-fed butter, brain octane, those sort of things. And I would replace your coconut oil if you're using that in your coffee with brain octane because, it's again, it's 18 times stronger. And... Again, I don't know, I don't really notice it a lot whenever I'm on it, but I bet I would notice it if I stopped drinking that um, during the day. So have your coffee with grass-fed butter, brain octane. That's going to improve your brain health and focus through the fat. And again, just be careful with not too much caffeine during the day. Dr. Andrew Hill would tell you that probably three to four cups a day if you're spacing them out, which some people might hear that and go, whoa, three to four cups a day. If you're spacing them out, you're probably going to be okay. And this is just your typical 10 to 12 ounce cup of coffee, not your venti Starbucks that I used to drink and then immediately want to go get a refill of and then wonder why I felt like crap all day long. Heart palpitations, um, racing, you know, probably blood pressure or whatever. That's probably, you know, why I didn't feel good. Just all the, all the caffeine in there. But again, drink your coffee because it's going to give you more antioxidants than any other part of our Western diet. If coffee's not your thing, drink green tea. I, I didn't, don't do it as much now since I'm experimenting with things like True Brain and the phenylperacetum and Siltep and all those sort of things. But there for a time, I was putting green tea into a big container, uh, mixing it up at night, stick it in the refrigerator. I'd get up in the morning, take a big giant cup, thermos, traveler, whatever, pour in green tea over ice, and uh, take that to work, and man, it was glean, uh, green, clean energy. It's awesome. Stay away from sugar, though. Any of these things, whether it's coffee, green tea, any of that, we don't want to put any sugar into our drinks. There's uh, a documentary out right now that you guys heard me mention called That Sugar Movie, I believe is the name of it, and I need to get on that. I've got it saved on my wish list, and I need to go watch it, but I just see more and more come out on that documentary, on that movie, and uh, and keep the sugar out, keep the exercise up. Most people would tell you that exercise 
if you're doing it just for the physical, hey, I want to look good, I want to go to the beach, that's good for a period of time, but that's what most people tell you is the reason they exercise is they don't want to get fat and they want to stay in shape. But when researchers, from another recording you probably heard of mine, from when researchers took people into a, uh, a lab, so to speak, just by going around the nation and interviewing them over and over again and said, why do you work out? It was the people that did it for, uh, for overall physical fitness, they called it, or really in many cases it was physical appearance that were the ones that exercised the least by far. The people who did it for the health benefits the people who did it for brain health especially were the ones who exercised the most. People who were tapped into this idea, knowing that exercise is going to release the dopamine, the epinephrine, the serotonin, the oxytocin, all those good chemicals in your brain. It's going to push the cortisol down, which is our stress hormone. You've heard me mention many times before. We've got to build these things into our brain, and we've got to understand that exercise, if we don't feel like going out and running, or if we don't feel like going and doing whatever, you fill in the blank. If we're just doing it so we can grab a, get a six-pack, um, you know, we're probably not going to do it. And you might go grab a six-pack instead of going and working out. But instead of just getting a six-pack, just think about it as, here's my brain health for the day. I'm going to get on this because of all of the great chemicals that are going to be released. John Rady, in his book, Spark, I've mentioned that book many, many times before, but he said it's like basically popping a... Um, when you work out, it's like taking a Ritalin and a Prozac together. Your high focus and your antidepressant pill together, right? Who doesn't want that? But if you don't go work out, Tal Ben-Shahar tells us you might as well go to your medicine cabinet. And instead of grabbing a Ritalin and a Prozac, you might as well just grab and a, uh, a depressant. Not an antidepressant, but a depressant. Because that's what your body is going to feel the effects of is depression whenever you don't have those chemicals released in your brain every single day. So cortisol, you guys have heard me mention before, typically I talk about it as a bad thing. It's not all bad. We have to have some of those stress chemicals building up in our body each day, as weird as that may sound, because you and I, we probably both would admit that we're not going to go do the things that are going to make us the most productive without a little bit of healthy stress. Imagine how productive you'd be every day if you just knew you would get paid no matter what. Probably probably not a lot of things you're going to knock out in an extraordinary way. It's the healthy pressure that's on us each day to go out and perform that cortisol chemical that builds up in us, but we've got to have some implemented levels of stress and not complain about stress all the time, but there is an inverted U-curve that researchers talk about. So picture this U-curve of you're building productivity, you're building stress, you're building productivity, you're building a little bit of stress, but then it was, at some point it's too much. The stress overpowers you and you start coming down to where the too much stress on you causes overwhelm, causes anxiety. We want to make sure that as we're tapping into the brain, we're also tapping into the fact that we've got this inverted U-curve on stress every single day. Cortisol is good in very small doses for very small amounts of time, but we want to do things that are going to build up, again, uh, the DSO, I call it, the dopamine, the epinephrine, the serotonin, the oxy, oxytocin. Uh, if you just think about DSO, D-E-S-O, dopamine, ep epinephrine, serotonin, oxytocin, every single day we're going to build those in, we're going to feel great, and we're going to work out more because we know that we are protecting the internal working part of our brain, not just trying to get a six-pack or look really good at the beach. Those things are good too, 
but that's probably not going to help you stick to the workout for very long. You're going to do it for a period of time, and then you'll be off again and you know, eating whatever you want to eat. The other thing we've got to do, guys, is we've got to get active rest. Back to the whole sleep issue. So much about your brain goes into sleep, where we've got to get active rest during the day. This ties into the meditation for me as well, where I'm pushing the chair back in the day after I finish. Either my, my timer goes off on my phone after running really hard for 60 minutes, and I push back for the next 10 minutes. I breathe deeply. I think about my gratitudes. I think about all of the things that are going so well for me right now, not focusing on the negative, not focusing on the next task that I have to get to just to keep my brain in busy operating mode. And taking a break also doesn't mean you walk down the hallway and talk to somebody about another business thing that you had a question about. Do something to get your mind off of it. Crazy as it sounds, go outside. Many of you are going to think you don't have time to do that. Many of you are going to think you don't have time to push back after 60 minutes because you're in the zone, but I'm telling you, you've got to do that. The best thing you can do, though, as silly as it may sound, and you may think you look crazy, but I promise you nobody's watching you, when the 60 minutes goes off on your phone, when you're setting those time blocks each day, whether you're in the zone, whether you're knocking a ton of stuff out or not, you've got to be disciplined to go, okay, there goes my timer for the next 10, 15, 20 minutes, however long you need. Go push the elevator button. Go down, walk around the parking lot, walk walk wherever you need to walk. Go to a different floor that's not even your floor if you're worried about people seeing you and just walk around on the floor and breathe deeply. I promise you, some of you are going to feel like, again, there's no way I can break away. I'm in the zone or I've got too much to work on. What you're going to realize is, is your brain is going to get rested. Your brain is going to get rejuvenated by this 60 to 90 minute rush and then a, a uh, not too long, again, 10 to 20 minutes, somewhere in there, take a break even if you think you're in the zone. And do this more in the morning. Hal Elrod talks about it all the time. If you win the morning, you're going to win the day. Guys, our willpower is so finite. Roy Baumeister talks about it in his book Will, about willpower. Willpower is finite. Something is simple. It sounds so silly, but something is simple as rushing into your email each day before you do something creative and something that helps you to do non-work things that's going to get those the DSO going in your brain, the chemicals going in your brain, something as simple as just doing that to kick off your day burns through so much willpower that we don't even realize. And more and more I read on this, the more I realize that for so many years I've just been sabotaging my work schedule by not tapping into this idea that the brain works in certain ways, to tap into the idea that willpower is finite, to tap into the idea that I've got to take these uh, breaks throughout the day, even though I feel so behind on many things all the time. The thing with most of our businesses out there, if you're a high performer listening to this, though, is that we don't realize that it's so silly, but more work creates more work. So we're constantly saying that we're behind and we can't get caught up. But if you just stay there working on it, you're just going to keep creating more work in some sense. Yeah, you can get some things knocked off of your task list or your to-do list, but you're also going to be creating more work for yourself as you're there, and that is not going to be healthy for our brain. So speaking of brain health, segueing into that, we've got to understand this brain-gut relationship. Dr. David Perlmutter would tell you that 70 to 80% of your immune system is in your gut, and that gut lining is not very thick. It's very, very thin. So whenever you've got all these thousands and thousands of millions of microbes that are swimming around in your stomach that are regulating things like your health, regulating things like the toxins you put in your body, regulating things like any viruses that come on you, a lot of that's going straight through your gut, believe it or not, and a lot of your brain 
fog, so to speak, is because your immune system is not regulated and or you've put a bunch of toxins into your body. Why do we feel horrible uh, for some people who go out and drink too much on the weekends or do whatever? Why do we always feel so horrible whenever that happens? Well, because our body has had toxins introduced to it. And when an oversupply of toxins, over overly high amount of toxins go into our gut, those microbes can't fight back the way that they should. Those toxins then overpower it. They seep through the gut wall. They go straight to your brain through your blood supply, and you are in a brain fog. That's why people have hangovers. That's why people have... Um, they go through relapses whenever they get off certain drugs or medication and they have to go through rehab to, to be able to get sober and you know your, your brain starts relying on those things even though you feel like crud all the time whenever you're on it. So a couple of things that you can do to build those healthy gut bacteria which is then also going to help keep more toxins out of your brain. You've heard me mention it time and time again which is kombucha making sure that you're getting in. I just drank one this morning on the way in, but it's uh, I like the sparkling kombucha. Try to get some that don't have too much sugar. Again, we want to keep the sugar out, but kombucha is a um, probiotic that's going to help to... It actually has cultured bacteria. That's li- It's a living organism in there. I don't know how exactly all of that works whenever they process it. It seems like it would, in the processing, it would kill off a lot of that, but they preserve those, they culture them, they throw them into the drink, and then you're drinking it, and it's just going to help um, form a colony in your gut. It sounds crazy. Form a colony in your gut of just good gut bacteria. The other thing that I do is kefir probiotics as well. Kefir is just the morning drink that I have. There's quite a bit of sugar in that, so I take it really lightly. I used to drink a lot more of it before I started learning as much as I did about sugar, but I think the probiotics are going to outweigh just the, the little bit of sugar that's in there. You just don't want to have too much of that. So check out kefir Check out any type of kombucha. Just find one that you like. There's sparkling ones out there. There's non-sparkling ones. There's some that taste really good that probably have a little more sugar. Stay away from those. There's probably some that taste more horrible that are probably the best for you, uh, but they don't taste as good. So find that balance uh, that you like and get your brain health up by working through your gut. And go check out Dr. David Perlmutter's books. There's Brain Grain. And then, um, uh, gosh, I'm totally blanking. I want to say activate your brain, but that's Dr. Andy Hills. I'm totally blanking on, uh, on the other one. So sorry. But, uh, but those things are going to help us get our brain health in check. Last thing that we're going to talk through here is productivity. Brendan Burchard would tell you you've got to reclaim your agenda. That's his uh, big point in the motivation manifesto. You've got to design how you feel each day with your diet, your exercise, your sleep, taking over your schedule. It's not just your work schedule, it's your life schedule. We also have to get off of these emails and texts. We can save an entire month every single year. Researchers would tell us save an entire month of productivity. 10% productivity in, in an entire year is spent just by digging into emails and texts every single time that they come in. So 10% doesn't sound like a lot, but what would you do to get an entire month back of work that could have been productive that was lost pretty powerful uh, all of this diving into the emails and text messages as well is going to affect our nervous system affect our stress levels the thing is though we hardly even notice it it's just this underlying current this compounding current underneath of 
just very small stress every time we dive into an email or every time we dive into a text message and when we feel it is at the end of the day after it's compounded with all the other stresses that are on us but it is affecting our nervous system it's affecting our brain we've got to make sure that we're putting our phones in do not disturb mode we've got to make sure that we are not getting into emails constantly and it doesn't even have to be emails it could just be stuff that you're running on your computer go download the app rescue time go to rescuetime.com i think it is it's going to show you a real life look of what you have pulled up constantly on your computer and i was blown away to see how many hours a day or hours a week i was spending in outlook even on the days that i felt like i really stayed out of outlook it showed that i'd been in there for like a couple hours that day that's crazy couple hours during my day, whenever I feel like I don't have the time already to get the things in I need to get in, how much time am I sabotaging by doing that? So my staff and I, we have gotten together. We're looking at rescue time very closely, and he's coming to me going, how are you doing on rescue time? How are you doing on staying out of emails? And the thing is, he knows now whenever I've got my emails, uh, my main executive assistant here, he knows when I've got my emails up and I'm checking them because they're gonna, he's got access to my inbox and they're going to unbold on his system. So if you've got a staff member that has access to your emails, have them check your emails for you. Sometimes there's a little bit of fear of control there of, oh gosh, what might come through that my staff might see. Get rid of that. What you're going to make up with in productivity is going to be way better than any email, some weird thing they might see coming through, I promise you. But they're also going to be able to see when you have unchecked and you've unread the or you've read those emails because they're going to be unbolded. They're going to be, you know, taken off the list of the bold emails or the red, uh, unread emails, and they're going to be able to see. So there's times where Andy comes in here and goes, hey, how are you doing on the emails? And I'm like, oh, man, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm staying out of them. And he goes, okay. I'm just I'm asking because and I know exactly where he's going every time he says this. He's good at tricking me on the front end and making me say that I'm doing well. He goes, okay, I, I'm only asking because you know 20 minutes ago I checked, I saw your uh, your little indicator by your inbox said nine on it, uh, nine unread messages, and I just pulled it up right before I came in here, and and none of them are unread. So. What are you doing with that? So he's been really good at keeping me accountable on those things, knowing that I jump into it far too many times. So if you have a staff member that is on board with that, or if you can be on board with that, again, just release your control on that. Release your, you know, whatever you want to call it on that to where you are allowing your staff to do that. That way you can stay out of emails time and time again throughout the day. Another thing that we want to do, besides just mentioning the three parts of the brain, again, the, I can't say this enough, the base part of the brain, the middle part of the brain, the human part of the brain, remember the prefrontal cortex is the rational side of the brain, the middle part is the emotional side of the brain, the part that we really don't want engaging too much into the things that we are, you know, that we're doing day in and day out. We've got to do that by labeling the emotions that come in. So Dr. David or David Rock sorry, will tell you that engaging your prefrontal cortex by labeling your emotions and pre-appraising those emotions are going to be one of the most important things that you can do uh, all throughout the day simply because it's going to allow you to see what's coming in emotionally. You're going to label it rather than just reacting to it. You're going to go, okay, what is this? What is this that just came in that's starting to make me feel anxious, that's starting to make me feel um, 
starting to make my heart race a little bit here. Is it bad news from a client? Is it something that you, a deal you were hoping to close that you realize now is not going to go through? You've got to label that immediately and go, okay, is this a really big deal? And it may be. It may be something that you need to get on and really address right then, or it may not be. And then once we've labeled it for what it is, then we can pre-appraise it. We can do an appraisal on it. So something that used to be a seven that's coming into our brain, now we can really take it to a three or a two very quickly and move on rather than hanging on it, maybe hanging on it for half a day and then realizing that, you know, this really wasn't something that we should have, uh, that we, you know, should have focused on at all anyway. So how are you doing with that? Check in with that on your labeling your emotions, recognizing them for what they are, and then pre-appraising those. So something that really does need a lot of attention right now that's a little bit stressful, we can label that. We can recognize it for what it is and not have our head in the sand, but then let's pre-appraise it. How bad is this? How bad is this really uh, on, on coming on me right now? And is this something that really needs my focused and you know, attention, or is this something that I can let go and not have it bother me for very long? One of the questions I like to ask is, you know, 10 weeks from now, and I don't know why I came up with 10 weeks. I think it's because I was using the phrase 10 years from now, and that just seemed too far out. But one of the phrases that I use is 10 weeks from now. When 10 weeks goes by, will I really think about this a lot? Is this really going to affect me the way it's affecting me right now? And that is such an easy step in the moment to be able to take myself from thinking that something's an 8 or a 9 on the stressful, got to get to it right now, got to worry about it right now scale, and take it down to about a 3 or a 2. It's not easy. It's not easy, and my brain may want to hang on that. The middle part of my brain may want to hang on that, but I'm going to engage the prefrontal cortex and say, look, this is a three or a two. I'm not going to stress out about it. I'm not going to focus on it. Again, we've got to have this mind sight that Dan Siegel talks about where we're looking at ourselves, as I mentioned, like a GoPro camera. We're looking at ourselves constantly. David Rock would say that you're looking at yourself like a director. You're watching yourself almost like you're in a movie script. You're seeing how you're performing, how you're acting. You might need to call cut at certain, thing, certain scenes and redo it again. You might think it's a great scene until you play it back in your mind and realize, hey, I didn't I didn't do this the right way or I didn't perform this the way that I thought that I would. So all this, guys, as we wrap up here, is just a big summation of all the brain recordings. I would encourage you to go back and listen to all of those. Anything labeled neuroscience, labeled you know the brain, labeled anything about smarts, it's going to have a lot of this in there, but there's certain things that I go even more in-depth in. It's been a really fun ride talking about the brain for so long, and I would love to hear how you guys are using the brain to do certain things throughout the day to where you can go out every single day and you can rock it and not worry about getting caught up in this emotion, caught up in this distraction, caught up in all of these things that we bother ourselves with every single day and not get to our peak potential that you know that we're all trying to get to. So keep sending in comments. Keep sending out the links to others that you think are going to, that these sort of things are going to help. And just go out and understand that your brain, though it is not your friend, though it is a scumbag brain from from time to time and will take the path of least resistance, we can master how we're thinking about these processes and we can get to a lot more productive work every single day. Thanks so much, guys, for tuning in. This has been a blast.